First Peter 5, Peter said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we, when we get over on pride, and actually in, in 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16, he talks about the three things that the world is made up of, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the and the pride of life. And so how pride begins to get a hold of every one of us, we, we can become prideful by, by a title. We can become prideful because of our achievements and our money and our fame. And, and pride begins to say, I, I want recognition. I want people to acknowledge me. I want, I want people to notice everything I do. Now, God's not getting us blessed, but when it comes back to this thing called pride, who gets the glory? And so you begin to see people, pride is a, is a thief. It comes in and we begin to stiff arm God. And we, I don't need God. I got money. I got this and this and this. And so pride will steal from you. And when we talk about pride, pride was birthed out of the devil. So when I begin to walk in pride in my life, I wear a fragrance that doesn't smell good to God. Actually, the fragrance of, of pride is a leave me alone cologne to God. He's like, uh-uh, because you become self-centered and it's all about me, me, me. And so I'm gonna take you through some passages today that actually tie in with our faith. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. Wow. He doesn't say destruction goes before pride. He said pride goes before destruction. Now, your boast becomes a prophecy of your future failure. When I begin to boast of how valuable I am and everything, your, your boast becomes a prophecy of your future failure. He goes on to say, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So the higher you lift yourself up, the, the farther you're going to begin to fall. And so I think one of the things that's important is, Father God, keep me with a robe of humility. Grace me. Turn, turn just a little bit to Proverbs 18, a couple pages. Verse 10. The, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The character of God is a strong tower. The righteous run to God or to that strong tower, and, and they are safe. So when difficulties come after you, and difficulties are inevitable for every one of us, when difficulties come after you, who or what do you run to? Do I run to God or do I run to my best friend? Sometimes when life comes at us, man, we run to all the different things of the world. He goes on to say, the rich man's wealth is a strong city. I got money. I don't need anything else. I got money. Ooh, be careful. Be careful. And like a high wall in his own esteem. Man, he, he builds himself up with this high wall of his esteem. And it's like, look at me. Look at me. Verse 12. Before destruction, ruin, disaster, or downfall, the heart of man is haughty. Now, if you'll notice how it's spelled haughty, he's not talking about you're a hottie, H-O-T-T-Y. You're not a hottie. This is an ugly hottie. This kind of hottie will make you naughty is what this will do right here. That's another proverb. Hottie will make you naughty. Okay. And before honor is your humility. And so what he begins to talk about here 
is the pride that comes after us. And it's going to lead me to areas I, I, I don't want to go. So faith looks and points me to God. Pride looks and points to me and says, I, I, I. And, and I highlighted this just a little bit. If you were to study Isaiah 14, the devil had his five I wills. He said, I will do this and I will be this. And I, that's where pride is rooted. So God's not against me having money. God's not against you having titles. God's not against you having achievements, but it goes back. Who gets the glory and does, does it keep you humble? When you're just like, thank you, Father God. Man, you, you've been so good to me. You've been so, so good to me. Now, turn, turn to the front part of the Old Testament, the 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. And I believe it's something that every one of us have to deal with in the areas of our life. That this thing called pride comes in. And it's interesting when, when Peter said, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You can go through scriptures over and over. God doesn't resist the sinner. He doesn't resist the, the drunk. He doesn't resist the murderer. But he resists the proud. And I think that when we as human beings become prideful, it's just a reminder to God about how, how ugly the things of the devil are. And so, man, ask God to soften your heart. Be humble. Now, this entire passage is going to talk about this. So we're in 2 Kings chapter number 5, and we begin in verse 1. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. Now, listen to some of the descriptions of this guy named Naaman. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, who was the king of Syria. And so... We see something here. He, he had great, the, the king of Syria had great admi, admiration for this, this Gentile named Naaman who was the chief of his army. Now, when you study Naaman, he's popular, he's courageous, he, he's, he's a, natural, a national hero, and he's a mighty man. And so it, it says this about him, and then it says, and, and he was an honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, if you catch that nugget, God used him. It says, by him, the Lord gave him victory. Many believe that, that King Ahab was shot by an arrow, and they believe this guy named Naaman's the one who did it. So you begin to see, man, he's, he's got all these accolades, and he's got all these achievements, and you just look at the word here. He's, he's great. He's, he's honorable. He's a war hero. Verse 2. Now, the end of verse 1. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. He also was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Now, in, in our times, we don't hear much about leprosy anymore. But when you study leprosy in the Old Testament, leprosy could take you out. Leprosy was the dreaded disease of their time. Actually, when you got leprosy, it was a death sentence usually. And so he's, he's this great man of God. But he's got leprosy. And in those days, there was really no cure for leprosy unless you had a miracle or you got healed. So I'm, I'm thumbing through my Bible on this thing called leprosy. 
And one of the Jewish commentaries said this, that leprosy in that time was not a medical issue, but it was a spiritual issue, and it came upon people for three reasons. Slander, selfishness, and pride. It would manifest in their bodies because they were selfish, they were slanders, and they were prideful. I want you to stop just here for a second. How many of us in here right now would probably have a little bit of leprosy on us in one of those three categories? Ooh, thank, thank God we live by the covenant of grace. <laughs> thank you what the Lord Jesus did for us. So now we see he's got a spiritual issue. And he got pride. Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids to rob and to loot. And they brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on, on Naaman's wife. And so literally this, this servant girl was captured in Israel. She was kidnapped from Israel is what takes place. Verse 3. Then she said to her mistress. If only my master was with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, this servant girl said, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria and he would heal her. Now, it was almost like this, this little servant girl, she knew Naaman's only hope was to get around this man of God in Israel. And so when I read this, this, this little girl, we don't know her name. We don't know much about her. But we find out something that's interesting with her brief words that she had full faith in God. She had confidence in God. And when she said, if we could just get around him about the prophet in Israel, he'll be healed. It was like, this is a matter of fact. This was her faith talking. All we got to do, get him around the prophet, get him around the things of God, and he'll heal him. Now, now, it's interesting. You begin to hear her faith that it begins to speak. This is all we got to do. Huh. I said, Lord, grace me with that type of faith. Verse 4. And Naaman went in and told his master, the king of Syria, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who's from the land of Israel. He starts saying, Hey, dude, you got to hear what she said. And so he's anxious about it. He's needing permission. Verse 5. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of clothes, and 10 changes of clothing. Now he loads him up with all these things. And notice he doesn't say, I'm going to send a letter to the man of God, the prophet. He said, I'm going to send a letter to the king of Israel. As if the king of Israel could do something. So when you begin to see everything he sent him. He sent the gold, the silver. He got him 10 brand new suits. Man, he had 10 new pairs of shoes. So when you read into this. This Syrian king says. I'm, I'm going to buy his healing. As if God's healing can be bought. God's healing can't be bought. It's not going to happen. Verse 6. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel. Now, this king of Israel, his name was, was Joram at the time. That's who this is. And so he sings King Joram a, a letter. 
Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent Naaman my servant to you that he may that that you may heal him of leprosy. Now he's writing this to the king but you go back and think what did the servant girl say? She said if we can get him around the prophet the man of God he'll heal him. She didn't say nothing about the king of Israel. She said get him around the man of God. And so this king thinks, well, all they've got to do is get him to Israel, and they're going to take care of it. Verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes. Now, when they tear their clothes, that means they're, 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 they're freaking out. They're like, what is going on? He tears his clothes. And he said, am I God? To kill, to make alive. And this man sends to me to heal him of his leprosy. So Israel's king, King Joram, he has no faith in God. He, he has zero faith in God. That's how this guy was. And so part of his problem too was he had zero faith in the prophet Elijah. Because Elisha would go to him and say, King, you got to knock it off. You guys are in a bunch of idol worship. And that idol worship is going to get you. And so this king and Elisha didn't even have a relationship. So the king is freaking out. He doesn't have a relationship with God. He doesn't have a relationship with the man of God. And so he ends in verse 8 and he says, or verse 7, he says, Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. You know what he thinks? He thinks all this king is wanting to do is pick a fighting for him. He's wanting to pick a battle with him. Let's fight. And so what's interesting when you study this king, he doesn't, he doesn't get on his knees before God. He doesn't do anything. Actually, when you study this, everything that took place, he essentially had a nervous breakdown. He just collapsed. Verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God. Now, I, I love that statement when it says the man of God. But the term man of God, it literally means that Elisha's sole purpose was, I'm going to give glory to the name of God. I'm, I'm going to sanctify the name of God. And so when you see that statement, the man of God, and that's not a title you put upon yourself. That's a title that's earned. That's a title that, that all the heaven wakes up and says, that's a man of God. That's a man of God. And, and so Elisha, the man of God, when he heard what's going on, he heard that the king of Israel has torn his clothes. Then he sent to the king saying, king, why have you torn your clothes? Why are you freaking out? Actually, what happens here is he learns of, Elisha learns of the guy's panic attack. And that's why he says this to him. Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. In other words, king, don't, don't worry, I got it. No worries, king. So it's, it's obvious right here that the king didn't believe in God at all, but Elijah lets it be known to him that when I finish with this, this military officer, he's going to know there's a God in Israel. And by the way, king, you're going to know there's a God in Israel. And so Elijah, just send him to me. Elisha's not freaking out because Elisha knew the character of God. And when I read that, I think, okay, 
when I get in situations, do I know the character of God? Do I realize this is what God said he would do in his word? Do, do, does my faith, is it like that of the man of God? Said, I'm just going to believe God. Verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot. He brings this huge entourage. And he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now picture that. Elisha's got this house. And this, this, this un, un, ungodly Syrian military officer shows up with all his, his horses, his chariots, his entourage. And I believe you know what he's trying to do. I believe he's trying to impress the man of God. Verse 10. And Elisha sent a message to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now, Elisha right here is going to let God use him to heal the man, not just of leprosy, but he's going to heal him of his heart. He's going to heal him of his pride. And, and, and so when, when I read what he's talking about, it implied that, that he rebuked him. He, he rebuked him, and it was, like, it was like Naaman was saying, do you know who I am? And so Elisha the prophet, he doesn't even go out to greet him. And it ticks this guy off because when Elijah said, go dip in the water seven times, and the number seven is the number for completion, he said, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Well, the healing wasn't the Jordan River. It wasn't that water. There wasn't nothing special about that water. Anybody in here ever seen the water of the Jordan River? I've seen it. It isn't any cleaner than the lakes out here south or east of town. I'm just telling you right now. There isn't nothing about it. When you get in there, you're like, oh, crud. So it wasn't about the water. So when he says, go dip in the, the, the Jordan seven times, then you'll be healed, that doesn't compute with him. He's like, that's stupid. So let me, th let me help you with this. With me and you, what happens at times? The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That doesn't make any sense. The Bible says, anoint the sick with oil in James 5 and they'll be healed. Do what? That doesn't make any sense. And so sometimes we look for the spectacular more than just the word of God and say, this is what his word says. I'm going to live by the word of God. So this is what's going on with the king. He doesn't like what the man of God said to him. Hmm. Verse 11. Now watch this. But Naaman became furious. He's PO'd. Personally offended. Or another word. And he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, and he will stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and he will wave his hand over the place, and he will heal the leprosy. Now, you begin to see his pride begin to manifest, and you know what he wants? He wants a quick fix from God. Just, just heal me, Father God. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to know you. All I want you to do is heal me. Now, could that speak to me and you at times? Because there are times in our life. I, I don't want you, Father God. I just want what you can do for me. Ooh. 
And so this is the pride that's manifesting. Do, do you know who I am? Do you know what's going on? And so when you see this, he's got a problem with his heart. Could that describe me or you right now? Do I have a problem with my heart? And if I do, man, I need to ask God to forgive me of a hard heart. I need to ask God to come in and soften my heart. I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do. That's part of the robe of humility when day by day, soften my heart, Father God. Do you know in the world we live in, it's, it's easy to get a hard heart. It's easy. Soften my heart, Lord. And so God's not just wanting to heal him physically. God's wanting to heal his heart. Verse 12. Now listen to what this arrogant guy says. Are not the Abinah and the far part of the rivers of Nebraska better than all the water of Israel? Could I not wash them and be clean? So he turned and went in rage. Why, why did I come to Israel? I could have stayed where we are and jumped in those rivers. This was nothing but a waste of time. Verse 13. But his servants, they came near and spoke to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more than when he says, do you wash and be clean and be cleansed? Wow. Thank God he had some servants. Thank God he had some friends that said, just obey what he said. Just obey the Bible. And what would happen if we got around people tonight that looked at us and said, let's just obey the Bible. Let's just do what the Bible said. Something happens when we just do what the Bible says. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. Now. I, I would like that when I get to heaven, I'm going to watch that rerun. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because I, I want to look on the face. One, two, three. Knock on wood, four. I don't believe he had any faith. But when the man of God begins to speak, things begin to happen. And so he gets to number seven. And it says... And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Woo! It pays to, 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 to obey God. His human brashness and his hidden pride had surfaced. But his obedience and submission opened the way to this miracle. His obedience... And his submission. So now he's cleansed. I, I'm telling you, when he came out of the water, I'm, I'm sure he began to look. Because they get these spots all over him. Now watch what takes place here. And he returned to the man of God. He and all his aides. And they came and stood before him. And he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all earth except in Israel. This ungodly Syrian military officer confesses the Lord right here. I believe he gets born again right here. He said, there's no God except the God in Israel. 
And so he started, and so God, God not only healed him, God did a work in his heart, and, and God began to move that pride out. And, and then he ends, and look what he says at the end of this verse. Please take a gift from, from your servant. And so when you read what he, he says right there, he says, to, he says to the man of God, take a gift from your servant. He said to Elijah, I'm your servant. I'm the, God, God, God did a, a credible work in him, no matter how illogical it seemed. He, he not only cured the man physically, but he cured, cured the man's heart. Now, when he says this, he said, I got this gift for you. And I'm going to end with this. This is my last verse here, verse 16. But he said, as the Lord lives before him who I stand, I will receive nothing. I, I, don't, I don't want anything from you. And so he says, my services of the Lord, they, they can't be bought. And so the reason Elisha said, I'm not going to take that is because he didn't want it to appear to people that he was responsible for the healing. He knew God had worked through him. That's humility. Can I tell you something? None of us in here are healers. He's a faith healer. I look at that when I say that, I say, he may be a man of God, but God's the healer. God just works through men. God still works through men, but it comes back to this. Do I give him glory? Do I honor him? Do I stay humble with it? And so you begin to see something here that I, I wonder how many times the things in our life, junk happens because we become rooted in pride. Pride says, don't tell me the truth. I know. Pride says, I don't want to hear that. Pride, pride is a cruddy thing. Why don't you stand up here? Pride is a thief. And so here, just for, just for the next little bit, I just want to bow your head and if you feel comfortable raising your hands here to heaven. Just Father God, we stand before you right now. And Lord, right now, within every one of us, Father God, if we have any, any symptoms of pride within our hearts right now, oh Lord, we ask you to forgive us of that. Man, you need to repent of that. Father God, I repent of being prideful, arrogant. Better than thou. Critical. Is a good one, a know-it-all. That's a pride. Pride's a know-it-all. Pride says I'm never wrong. And so if any of those fit us right now, I mean the list would go on. Father God, we just take time right now to repent. And Lord, we ask you to grace us. Put, put on the garment of humility. Put, put on us a robe of humility, Father God. We just stay very humble and grateful and Everything that takes place in our lives, Lord, we give you glory and honor. And, and all that's good and perfect comes from you, Father God. And so, Lord, as we stand before you, and I, I want you to begin to open your mouth and tell God, thank you. Tell him what you're believing this. But, Father God, for all my, my accolades, it's you. For all our achievements, it's because of you. For, for all our talents, it's because of you. And we give you glory right now. And Father God, for all the men of God in here, and men of women, uh, the, 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 the godly women in here, Lord, it's because of you. We give you glory and honor. And so we just say thank you.
Thank you for being good to us, Father God, and we honor you right now, and we ask that you would move here. Lord, right now, as hearts get right with you, just as Naaman's heart got right, Lord, they became a move of God. And so, Father God, we dip seven times right now in the Jordan River. We just take a dip. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We just dip in there. Right there by faith, Father God, and we ask you to move in every one of our situations that you would heal. You would heal our bodies. You would heal our mind. You would heal our emotions. You would heal our relationships. You would heal marriages in here right now. You would heal. And you get the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.